Welcome to Cloud Insights. I'm Justin Baroni, and I'm here with my uh, co-host, Aaron Gutierrez. How's it going, Aaron? Good afternoon, Justin. How's it going? I'm doing good, man. Um, yeah, we just want to do this podcast, uh, you know, about Google Cloud and kind of we work in it every day. So we really, we really felt that, you know, we see it, we see stuff in there. We see new things coming out. It'd be really cool to share it with people. And you yeah. know, try and build a little audience around that, right? Yeah, this, there's a lot of stuff coming out. I think I think that's the the key for this. Is there's, there's so much going on with Google. You know, it's hard to distill it all. And yep. maybe if, if we can share, you know, a podcast where we discuss that the high, you know, the high points of everything, and you know, make it something you can listen to on your way to work or while you're sitting at your desk. Yeah, we're going to kind of just break it down into into normal normal terms and our thoughts and opinions things we've experienced yeah and you know i checked my resume and i was like man i don't have a podcast on there yet (laughs) right so the only people left in the world that don't have a podcast like bucket list checked right (laughs) so i think i think we're good to go um all right well uh just to you know kind of get started what we want to do is introduce ourselves a little bit um i'll kick it off uh I wanted to kind of, you know, give you a little idea on uh, who you're dealing with here. So I wanted to start this off with uh, the history of Justin and his uh, and his experience throughout the throughout the world of tech. So we're gonna start back when I was young and I was born. I I came out and I was using a uh, a Texas Inter- Instruments T10. No, I'm kidding uh what i'm gonna really do is start off and show you like hey my dad <laughs> my dad came home when i was seven with this thing this is an ibm pc junior hey, it's nice yeah it's sweet it had two five and a quarter inch floppy drives so we're talking high end um we even had the attachment for the cassette recorder so you could like <laughs> you could read back programs off of it in sequential order. So yeah, um, I'm old. And uh, now that that's out of the way, uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk about like where it started. I We got this thing and I was so enamored with it and it was just the coolest thing in the world. And, you know, my dad would get this magazine called uh, Compute Magazine. And in it, in every like, like, uh, monthly edition that came out or whatever, there was this code in there. And my dad showed me like, Hey, you can go type this stuff in to basic. And he showed me how to load it up and do it. And, and granted, I'm like just a little kid and you can make like a little game. And I was like, what? And so then from there on, I was programming. I mean, I wasn't writing code, but I was still popping in some stuff into basic and it yeah, was awesome. It's like T-ball. You had it up on the, hit the ball up on the T. <laughs> exactly. And I didn't, I didn't hit any homers because what happened was you'd put this all in and you'd go to run it and you'd get like an error. And you'd be like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you'd have to go through each line and double check everything. And I mean, this was the 80s. So, you know, if it was no raining outside. Yeah. There's no internet to, you know, like uh, lose my concentration on. So this is what I was doing. And, you know, then, you know, here's another example. Here's a great one. I, uh, I used to plug in this one. I remember specifically is called rebound. It was like, um, single player pong. 
uh, where it, break, it broke bricks oh. when the ball bounced around. Really Rebound. cool. Yeah. Like brick breaker. Yeah. And they had them for like, and they'd have these little modifications in there where like, where you could, uh, like if you had monochrome, you didn't have color monitor. We had a color monitor. It was, I think, 16 colors. So hardcore. Um, but if you had monochrome, you could put in these little like edits to it that would, that would fix it and make it work for monochrome or like we had a PC junior. So there'd be some modifications for that. So it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, uh, I had fun, but that was like the start. And then, uh, you know, fast forward 13 years and I'm in college writing basic again in my first class which is kind of funny. Uh, I wrote tic-tac-toe. I remember uh, that, you know, loops in my head were like the hardest thing in the world. I couldn't figure them out. It took me so long to get like, to like iterate through it and get those con con uh, concepts down. And then it just kind of clicked. So it's one of those things, but like, hey, I did that, did some C, C++. And then, you know, back in the day, right? Like we had to build our own servers. <laughs> Uh, and it wasn't like, Hey, yeah, you didn't go into the cloud console at GCP and, or use Terraform and define it all out and deploy out your, you know, Docker containers and cool stuff. No, we had wizards. If you were doing windows, we had, you know, old school bash things. Uh, if you were, you know, work doing like red hat Linux back in the day. And, uh, you know, but one thing I'll say is that like, uh, taught me the fundamentals, right? I feel like because I had to like build my own machines or rent like a full bare metal server up in the, you know, at a data center somewhere, like I learned fundamentals like OSs, networking, DBs, how to install them, app hosting, things like that. Um, and you know, you're basically a system administrator at that point. Uh, and I saw this meme and thought it was funny. My favorite is what my boss thinks I do. Need to spend more money. <laughs> it's just how it goes. Um, this is the life cycle of a sysadmin. Now, the thing is, is now with the cloud, that changes, right? Where the sysadmin is uh, asking for more compute time or more, uh, you know, more, more, more you can add to the budget or what have you. So anyway, I, uh, you know... After that, and when I got my first job writing code, uh, I was a junior dev at a financial software company, and I was writing VB. And uh, uh, after, quickly after writing VB, I got into C sharp. Uh, and you know, one of the things I would say is I learned a ton of engineering fundamentals at that stage. Uh, mobile started popping off at that point, so I was I started delving out into other languages, Objective-C, Java, started writing web stuff, um, got into Node a little bit when it came out, ASP.NET, Ruby, that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, eventually I became a senior dev, started working in another company. It was a SaaS company. Um, they Everything was built on Java there. Uh, and we built a mobile app and we brought single-page applications like Angular, um, we built some React there. That's when I started getting into React and, and learning that stuff. Um, I'm a real front-end guy, so I love building great UIs and front-end, but I also love building performant back-ends and, and cloud applications. Uh, 
you know, from there, I, I think this is funny. Not sure if the app is changing pages without me noticing or the app's a single page app. Because if you know how those work, uh, they, they do a bunch of trickery. They actually only load one page into the browser. Um, you know, from there, I became a principal engineer. Uh, you know, and as a principal, uh, I really got to like spread my wings. So one thing I really enjoyed doing as a principal was, uh, you know, mentoring other devs, uh, teaching them some of the things I ran into, you know, coming up as a junior dev and what have you. I did a ton of research and like, and I brought a lot of solutions back to our dev teams to help them do their jobs better. Uh, newer technology, we introduced React uh, for front end. We introduced um, Docker. Uh, I brought the entire Docker setup, teached everyone how to, taught everyone how to use Docker, uh, and so that was really satisfying. And you know, as a as a principal engineer, you're 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 not necessarily hammering out code uh every day that's going to go into the production um code base you are writing some production code but what you're really doing is you're you're working with the team to like help them um bring it up to the next level and i really like doing that so uh from there you know just to talk about the how does this all relate to the cloud right well the way i see it relating to the cloud is you know the cloud is is an evolution of the way we used to compute right so this i thought this was kind of funny uh you know how it went from punch cards all the way through the different media and then eventually you have the cloud right and you know one of the things i would say is like hey cloud computing is just someone else's computer and that's where i think i can bring a lot of experience and interesting stuff here because you know i've i've was there when aws was in beta using it using soap soap is horrible uh uh in azure when azure went into beta right and then gcp when gcp released app engine and i started using compute engine in there right all those things i think what happens is is those were all built off of you know in my head all the same stuff and the problems you experienced early on in your career right when you uh when when we had to do everything by hand so uh you know, I learned in those years doing cloud or all these years doing cloud, right? I've discovered, you know, I learned a lot about VMs, a lot about scaling, a lot about orchestration, rolled my own orchestration before they had orchestration. Um, you know, a lot of CI CD stuff. Um, I discovered Docker and Kubernetes along the way, right? So, you know, I like this slide, Justin. You like this one? Yeah, I mean, to me, this is the essence of what this what the show's about, right? Like, we want to simplify these complicated concepts into something that can be explained quickly into, you know, really easy, normal conversation, right? Yeah. And like this, this uh, picture, you know, that is what the cloud is. It's just services and hardware resources that live elsewhere. You don't have to yeah. worry about that stuff for a lot of these newer tools. And, you know, it's, it's kind of what allows companies to scale you know yep. before you had to worry about like buying new hardware or you know worrying about how much you know utility costs are being impacted by the new stuff but this you know this is kind of what it's all about in a nutshell right yeah yeah the the redundancy and the backup that stuff that you used to have to do all kinds of things to like 
handle. You used to have to have a cage. I mean, people still do have all this stuff, right? So it's, yeah. So it's not like, uh, you know, no one's in a data center on their own. In fact, that's where we've done a lot of work here at Promevo, right? Helping uh, companies migrate from f away from those things and into the into the cloud, and that can be tough because if your application is is tightly wound with your network configuration and everything, and you know, in in your data center or on premise, you know, like that can be a, a tough thing. So, yeah, it is. It, it every it's like an abstraction. I always think of it. It's like an abstraction. I now don't have to worry about patching OSs in on like bare metal servers for uh vm vsphere to run on and different things like that right like i can be yeah. like levels up from that and actually focus on what what i you know think are cloud native apps right focus on the pieces that make up a uh a cloud you know application yeah. right and i think that's where it's fun because it's it takes the in my eyes it takes the building blocks of like how you code and kind of allows me to do building blocks of yeah. pieces of servers or, or things, you know? And, and that's the way, that's the way, you know, the, the technology should evolve, right? Like abstraction, you hit on it. That's, that's is how things grow and, and move on to the next level. You can't always be worrying about the, you know, the under the hood stuff, right? Like, yep. you know, a good, a good uh, mechanics, not like wondering, how the rubber on the tires is created. Eventually you have to let that stuff go and work on the, you know, how to make this car faster. Right. Yep. Yep. And how to scale it. Right. Like you're effectively yeah. when you're scaling, <laughs> scaling is like, uh, putting bigger wheels on your monster truck as it's barreling down the road <laughs> and doing it while it's rolling, you know, being able to pull that off. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it this'll, I have a lot of, you know, views and ideas on things here in the cloud. You have a lot of great stuff. That's why I think us as like co-hosts with each other will make this really awesome. And, you know, let me just wrap it up with this um, sort of my mantra or like my kind of uh, thought process on tech and all this stuff is like, look, I'm always learning, always trying to get better. You know, it's not I'm not just doing this stuff at work. I'm constantly doing this stuff learning it's sort of my addiction right um, yeah you text me like friday night <laughs> on my time I'm, I'm on the west coast you should be way asleep why are you messaging me this article yeah 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 <laughs> that happens right so so you know it's i'm always going to be about like learning helping mentor people teaching people you know the 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 pitfalls that i've experienced and things i've ran into so um, that's what I want to bring to it. And then, you know, uh, just for funsies, uh, on my own time, I like to make music. I love making synth wave. I play guitar, drums. Uh, I have multiple synths. Um, this is how I feel when I listen to synth wave. It's amazing. Uh, one of my favorites. And then lastly, uh, I'm a gamer. I started at number 18. Where'd you start, Aaron? <laughs> Why are they out of order? Uh, 20. I think I started at 20. Oh, the I know what number 18 is. So Hey, 20 was number two for me. So it's that works out. Yeah, I, uh, I started the old Atari 2600. And it was amazing. And it was the coolest thing. Even though the graphics were totally old. It was just the best thing ever. So that's me. I'm Justin Baroni. 
Uh, Aaron Gutierrez, let's hear. Let's let's. Uh, I, I want to hear about your your story. Yeah, right. Feels like the first day of school. <laughs> Stand up and tell me a little bit about yourself, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, it's a coincidence that we both kind of cross paths in the financial industry. Um, where I started uh, professionally was just, um, you know, working in finance, like you deal with a lot of data, uh, really every industry does. But like one of the things that kept getting in my way at work was, you know, the data, the, the software, like how does this stuff work? Why is this not working right? So every point in my career, I kind of started steering into the data lane over and over. And this all started back when I was a kid, right? You know, I was, was kind of like, also dip, dabbling into computers too. My mom got a hand-me-down computer and uh, I started playing around with like the little software that came with it. Like Lotus one, two, three was, you know, it's a spreadsheet tool. It's like Excel. I'd get on there and just start like, I don't want to say modeling, but like modeling out like sports stuff and my favorite pro wrestlers and ranking them with their attributes. I did my baseball cards, man. <laughs> Yeah, I've done baseball cards. But I like, cataloged all my baseball cards. Putting putting stats into the columns and building you know math formulas to to calculate you know, rankings and stuff like that. So definitely have that same type of curiosity inside of me. Um, I wanted to show you something that like was one of the Ooh. first memories about computers. My mom's hand me down computer came with a stack of books, and one of them was like this huge volume of like basic this manual i don't know where it came from or you know why it was there but like you open it up and it's full of like you know that code from your magazine that you showed earlier like the 10 go to 20 right yeah that type of stuff so I, I think i think this stuff got into me or got its hands on me at a young age as well so um I, I think i do think it's pretty cool that both of us have emerged from this kind of wild west of of technology you know kind of we're, we're in the stream, we're in the river floating along with everything else. And now we're just emerging into this current landscape, which is, which is the cloud. And, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a simple uh, background about me. Um, I won't get into all the technologies. I think Justin covered a lot of the cool stuff. <laughs> I tend to lean more into the analytics stuff, like definitely heavy Python uh, usage. Now I've spent a lifetime in Excel um so i've been been under under the hood there you know writing macros uh now on to doing a lot of different bi stuff like you know more data engineering is is kind of the cool thing in my my view now you know there's yeah. data everywhere how do you get it how do you manage it how do you make sure all the stuff you're collecting is useful like there's a ton of questions around uh the things i focus on daily and you know it, it's it's definitely going to be interesting going forward so this podcast well, hopefully not only help, you know, listeners, you know, piece together what's going on in the world, but also us too, like yeah. maintaining, you know, maintaining that focus and making sure that we're, you know, noticing what is useful out there and what's noise and what's junk and, you know, where the value is. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like also when you talk through things with someone else that's smart, you, you tend to like formulate new ideas or learn uh sometimes like i'll be explaining something and then something new will snap like light bulb will go off in my head like oh i just realized this right that that's kind of cool to be able to do that 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. So hope to cover a lot of that stuff in right. today's episode and in coming episodes. Cool. So, all right, well, let's move on. Um, I wanted to kind of give like a quick breakdown of, of like how we've sort of structured uh, the podcast. Um, one thing, so like we're going to try and cover some Google Cloud news, uh, AI news. You know, we've been doing a lot of uh, AI projects, uh, a lot of a lot of we've had a lot of companies coming to us asking for like, hey, can you do this in AI? And it's not necessarily something that's super straightforward. Um, and it's been really great, like being able to dig into Vertex and some of the newer uh, models and playing around with things. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, we want to try and do deep dives into tech, you know, anything related to the cloud, AI, um, you know, I'm an engineer coder at heart, so I, I might bring things like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, something about react, right. Or something about MongoDB, or something about, you know, whatever, and anything, uh, something in node, uh, things I'm working on that might be cool to show you that, you know, that I can show, uh, stuff like that tools. I love, you know, talking about the different tools out there. I'm a VS Code guy, so uh, once VS Code came out, it was like, all right, there's no other IDEs for me. Um, you know, and uh, we might have some guests in the future. Uh, maybe, you know, someone from Google, maybe someone from Promevo, um, you know, different people to talk about different things. Maybe some friends of ours in the industry that, you know, work at different places. So, um trying to get, you know, some different insights and, 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 you know, perspectives out there, which might be nice. And then, uh, one thing that we really want from you guys is, uh, hit up this URL, uh, go to promivo.com slash cloud dash insights. And, um, we have, uh, that's sort of our page for this podcast. You'll find, um, You'll find any previous episodes that we've recorded. You'll also find them on our YouTube channel and wherever you've found this video. Um, but on there is a, f a link to a form where you can kind of ask us any questions. Uh, is there something, you know, you're having trouble with or did you did something help you out that we were talking about? Uh, maybe tips on things that you're interested in talking about, that kind of stuff, head over there and fill out that form. You can do it anonymously if you don't want to, you know, say in your name or anything like that. Um, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, we'd like to do that. So maybe next, uh, you know, the next episode we do, we'll uh, go over some of those. And then one, the last thing is we're going to be going to uh, Google Next uh, in Vegas this year. So one of the things we want to be able to do is like we go out there um, Maybe we get some uh, shaky footage with our cameras yeah. or we do some interviews. We're going to have a suite at uh, one of the hotels there. Um, maybe do some, some interviews with some people. Stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go interview the Spider-Man guy and ask him what, <laughs> you know, what he thinks about cloud yeah. computing. Um, and, you know, we'll bring that back and we'll talk about, you know, we're going to be going and seeing sessions. Right. So. I love going to conferences. I love sitting in sessions. We'll be taking notes and stuff, and we'll bring back anything kind of new we learn. We'll talk about any new updates they have, anything new that's announced. You know, Google usually does that at Next, so that'll be pretty fun. I'm looking forward to that. What about you? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I also like conferences. Um, last time we didn't get to 
attending the sessions, but there's, there's always a lot of good stuff. You really get to get your hands in there, right? Work, working in the labs, you know, oh, you yeah. never know who you'll run into also. You might be sitting next to some you know, other someone, super tech person that famous. you can learn a lot from. Oh, yeah, we're famous people. Yeah. I, went, I went to, yeah, I went to this one uh, <laughs> conference and I see, I always, my, my deal is when I go to like a session or a keynote, uh, I always try and get to the front. <laughs> And this one conference I went to, it's called That Conference. Uh, the guy that created CSS Tricks, I like sat next to him at the front. Yeah. And I was BSing with him in the morning. We were talking, you know, talking about tech. He's asking what I do. And he's like, it's like, so what do you do? He's like, oh, I go, he goes, I'm here uh, doing the keynote this morning. I was like, what? <laughs> and so he then he went up and did an awesome keynote and like, I always like try to go to the front of the con the um the sessions just because I can hear them better and I can see yeah. the slides better. You know, can... we have to get closer. Yeah, I'm like the I'm like the nerd in the front, like. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm not lurking in the back. I'll tell you that. So anyway, we'll hopefully we'll bring back some cool stuff from next. I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, with that said, on today's episode, what are we going to be covering, Aaron? Yeah, we got a lot of good stuff. Um, we'll, we'll kick it off with some some news on the GCP egress changes. Uh, there's some there's some reasons why they did it. Uh, we'll uh, we'll give our hypothesis on why they may have made those changes. Um, there are some FinOps um, news releases uh, in BigQuery that I thought were really cool. Um, Google's looking down the road, so that's that's something interesting. Um, last week. Uh, Looker had some huge uh, vision and roadmap uh, changes, so uh, I'll get into that a little bit and discuss, you know, the big impacts of that. Um, and then in our next section of the of the uh, podcast, we'll have a chat about LLM technologies. Uh, Justin's got some cool resources he wanted to share, um, and I just wanted to give a couple of best practices um, using rags. Um, that you may have heard of that's one of the latest buzzwords. It's kind of floating around out there um i, I wanted to hey when i learned about rags mm -hmm. i didn't even know but we were doing rags and yeah a project we were working on <laughs> i didn't know there was like a cool term kind for of, it kind of backed into that one huh yeah yeah we're like well to solve this we're gonna have to do this and then we do it and then like i think a week later you're like hey we've been this is what we were doing <laughs> i was like oh yeah <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I, I just thought of that. I thought that was no, kind yeah, of that, awesome. that was cool. I think that happens in this fast-moving world. Like a lot of the stuff you'll do, and like, wait a minute, that has a name? That's got yeah. branding? <laughs> People sold that? Yeah, so sometimes you just actively stumble on stuff. Uh, yeah, then I've got some uh, Chromebook development tips. Uh, Justin's got some cool stuff to show you with Duet AI and VS Code. And then if we have time, anything else that we... Uh, stumbled upon in our research, uh, we'll try to squeeze in. We won't do a, a mailbag or voicemails this week because it's episode one. Yeah. So All right. we'll uh, have to skip that part, but yeah, let's kick it off. All right. Google Cloud News. You want me to go first? Yeah. What do you, what got... do you know? What do you think about this uh, GCP egress? Why, why did they do this? Well, first, well, I guess, what is it about? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let me share my screen because this is a um, this is an article that was in TechCrunch. I thought it was interesting. Um, 
at first I was like, what? They're not charging fees for egress anymore? That's not the case because I got super excited because egress is like something I'm always freaking out about. And uh, whenever I'm, uh, you know, building something in the cloud, I'm always I'm always thinking in terms of like cost optimization. Right. So and so one of the things that could could hit you is like, hey, you aren't realizing something, but you're pushing out a, a ton of data or you're not like maybe using gzip compression when you're pushing something out to the browser even you can do that um i actually on a thing i did for a client a long time ago we uh cut their egress by i think it was like 20 some odd 27 percent or something like that by just gzip compressing uh some stuff uh that gets delivered out to the browser so with that said, um, I was reading this article and it was really interesting. So I guess uh, Google used to charge uh, customers to migrate their data to another cloud provider or say they say they do some something with some data in GCP and you want to get that on prem. And it's not necessarily like um, you kind of just want to move it permanently or something. Um, Google will now, uh, forego the fee to move it because you still have to pay egress, but they were charging on top of that. Um, you have to apply for it. So they have a form, um, they have a form that you have to fill out because I think they, they want to make sure people aren't abusing this and it's becoming mm. like a, you know, uh, you know, something that they're like. Oh yeah, I'm migrating my data, but they're really like, it's some process that they've created or put in place, you know? Um, and then I think when you fill out the form, you get 60 days to actually transfer the data out, um, but they're not going to charge you for it. And I think this kind of goes, you know, this, this was pushed because of, uh, um, I believe an EU regulation that they put in, that was put in place that said, Hey, look, you can't charge people to take their data back which makes sense. Um, but I think this also, if I'm going to take the like, you know, optimistic view of why they did this, I think it's because, you know, um, <laughs> honestly, Google tries to do be open and open source and as possible. And, and you see that. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I like Google cloud is like, you see um, how they build a lot of their tech on open source stuff and allow you to like, Hey, you know, our managed whatever service it's, you can use it, but it's also built on top of elastic or it's built on top of Redis or whatever, right? You can take that same thing and go deploy it out somewhere else. If you need to, you know, a lot of people are doing multi-cloud. A lot of people are doing, you know, say you're transferring this data out. Now, I don't know how this works, but, um, say you're transferring this data out to, uh, uh, you know, another cloud because you're just trying to be multi-cloud. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, to me, that seems like you shouldn't get dinged for that, right? And then, you know, the thing is, is I'm thinking egress. I think egress is like, um, you know, a few hundred dollars. If I'm like working on a personal project or something, that's like outrageous to me. But when you're talking, some of these companies like, um, you know, the fees can be punishing for cloud customers large and small switching to alternative pr providers uh companies like apple have paid 50 million in egress fees to aws in one year like just think about that that's, that's huge so 
This is one of those things that, you know, it's interesting if you're, uh, you know, um, moving data out of GCP, I would say you shouldn't because there's some really good stuff in Google <laughs> using it. But if you have to move it out, you're not going to get dinged, um, you know, for it. Uh, I, I heard a lot of that, uh, that cynical chatter too. Like they're just doing it because of the law. But I, I figure if that was the case, everybody would be doing that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think different companies have different sort of policies of, about it. You know, I think what if you if you were to put a fee on it, if like you're if you have a massive cloud and you're trying to put a fee on something like that, are you the cynical approach is, oh, I'm doing it to hold you hostage here. But right. the real, you know, you might be doing it because it negates people abusing things, right? Like I always think of in terms of abuse, someone could, you know, yeah. and maybe it's unintentional and they think, oh, I should just be able to do that because everyone thinks everything should be free these days, right? Like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's kind of the look on it. But, you know, this is interesting and I think, you know, it's something we should, you know, people I thought should know about. Yeah, I have another one for sure. I have another one I want to bring up. Um, so I got an email a couple weeks ago uh, that um, Google's now added 10 new Gen AI trainings and upskills for Duet, which is awesome. Um, I have done one of them. Um, I, my plan is to kind of roll through all of them, but these things are covering Gen AI, uh, introduction to Duet in Workspace, Duet for app developers, um, Duet, like if you're using uh, Workspace, uh, Duet in Gmail, Google Docs, Slides, she's, and I'll tell you, we have it, you know, we're, we're a premier partner, right? So we're, we're using Workspace already and we have Duet enabled and it is awesome. Uh, there's this one thing that I did that blew my mind and I, it was just like dumb luck. I found it. I was in sheets trying to put together something for a proposal for a client. And I was like, okay. And this little thing popped in and it goes, Hey, um, get, tell us what you're trying to like model out into a table and we'll just like do it for you with, with some test data. I was like, what? And so I filled it out and it does it and it's amazing. And now like I do that for anything. If I want to create like some sort of cost analysis or something, I'll say cost analysis for this. These are the 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 columns that I want to I want to do, and boom, it just like pops it out, fills it in, and then I can just change the data whatever I want. Like time saver, huge. Uh, have you have you used any of the the new Duet AI stuff in uh, in Workspace? In Workspace, I haven't I haven't really played around too much with the Workspace other than like on my slide deck presentations. It's really cool. Oh, okay. it, it does some cool stuff there. The G, uh, like when you write an, uh, an email, you've seen the thing at the bottom. When you yeah. Email, yeah. Right? That I, I forget that that's already, I've been using it so long. I forget that's part of it. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Like, you know, I mean, in the past, they used to have just a little preview the next word. Right. But now it shows you like a potential paragraph you, yeah you good. can like you can like say can. like make this sound more professional because say you hammer something out with bullet points or something mm -hmm. make this sound more professional or whatever uh it almost feels like cheating but then again it's like did 
did did the person who received the Texas Instrument calculator feel like they were cheating when they were using a slide rule two days before? Just call it abstraction, though. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, it's it's really cool. I I love that stuff. It's awesome. Um, Yeah. Are these skill boost classes? Yeah, I think so. They're... We'll have the link to this right in the yeah. We'll put this in the, the in the, the um, description of wherever this is posted. You'll uh, you'll get links to any of this stuff that we're talking about. Um, I, the other thing I thought was cool was AI for cloud architects. That's me. I love that kind of stuff. Um, data science scientists and analysts. Hint hint. Aaron, uh, I'm, I'm, I've already one. done it. Uh, Did you already do that one? I think uh, so. One cool thing about the skill boost is they've got a leaderboard. And oh I'm, yeah, I'm, like, you're like top in the world or the something. <laughs> yeah, aren't you like top in the world? <laughs> Not yet. I'll get there. Um, but yeah, it tracks all the all the labs you have taken, so it, it, you won't get confused. You'll get like a little certificate. I guess you can print it and hang it on the fridge if you want. Yeah. But uh, it, it's definitely a useful tool. Like. And a cool thing about it too is you don't have to use your own cloud account and you know rack up your own uh, billing yeah. on, on the uh, whatever the assignment is. It'll give you like a, a new student uh, environment to play in for yeah, each was, lesson. So yeah, when I was cool. studying for the uh, architect exam, uh, it was or the certification or whatever it was these were immensely helpful, not these specific ones, but you know, the ones that are up in cloud skills. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to share that, that, that came out. They were talking about that a couple weeks ago. So that's um, pretty cool. Get that gen AI training. Uh, you're going to need it, especially if you're in tech, it may, you have to this stuff. Like any employee at your company can, can do this. Like what, what's the intended audience? Um, I'm unsure. Uh, it says, I mean, it says whether you're an engineer or an email warrior. So I think, um, a lot <laughs> Sounds of these, like everybody, well, you know, like duet <laughs> AI you have and a workspace job and you have yeah. a computer. Yeah. Duet AI and workspace might, you know, appeal to people that are like working in the office or whatever. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Marketing uh, sales, you know, app and app developers, you've got all these duet in like all the different products. It, it might even be an intro to someone that wants to enable it in their org, right? Like that's all interesting stuff. So yeah, I would say go check it out. The link will be in the description. And then I have one last one uh, I wanted to share. I thought this one was real interesting. Um, so Google Cloud, uh, they shared a new some new research they had in twenty on a 2024 outlook on generative AI and retail. This is a, a, a PR, uh, PR Newswire um, sort of press release, but it's real interesting. Um, some of the things they talked about in there was like urgency to adoption. So in 2024, 81% of U.S. retail decision makers, they all feel like an urgency to adopt um, uh, AI in, in their businesses with 72% are, are prepared to deploy it this year. That's crazy. And, you know, I think of it in terms of like, wow, so that means uh, it, there's going to be more kiosks everywhere, less people helping us, or, 
you know, drive throughs or different things where like you're talking to AI, but you think it's a person or maybe, you know, calling in somewhere to schedule an appointment or do something. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, funny. Uh, like the first thing I think of that, of how you use AI in retail is like supply, supply chain stuff. Like yeah. knowing when your inventory is low or when you have to put, place new orders, that, that type of thing. Yeah. yeah so I mean, so at probably so at all sense. different aspects of it. Right. Um, it says they, they have, well, that this kind of goes into it, right? They're focusing on five key use cases uh, for gen AI deployment, customer service, automation, marketing, mm. creative assistance, conversational commerce and store associate knowledge support. So like all of these, I probably except for like maybe two of these categories or use cases I haven't used AI in <laughs> because I'm not really doing anything with conversational commerce, but it seems interesting, but like creative assistance. I mean, um, I'm a big Photoshop user and Photoshop's AI implementation is insane. You can literally draw around a thing and go remove that. And it literally, and it removes it and it doesn't look bad. And I'm old school uh, Photoshop, like 20 years back Photoshop when it was Macromedia, right? Like I used to, <laughs> yeah, before Adobe Bottom, like I know how to like blend and remove things and make stuff look. And now it's literally like bloop, remove that, right? Like crazy. So, um, people are going to be using these tools everywhere. It's the tools that they use and then it's their business adopting them too. Right. Yeah. That's good stuff. I mean, yeah, really. Interesting. I'm happy to see the use cases, uh, starting well, to develop a little bit more. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also happy that the use case isn't like destroy all humans or anything. Like that. <laughs> so, uh, that one's important to me a little bit. Yeah, um, I like humans. <laughs> you like humans. I think humans are pretty sweet. Um, all right, man. Uh, that's all I got for Google Cloud News. What do you got? Um, yeah, so I mentioned the uh, the FinOps stuff a little earlier. Um, so Google's really trying to focus on, um, on, on industry standards right now in this space. Uh, pull up this article here. We'll put this link in the on the website as well. But... Um, <clears throat> Focus is a new concept they, they're kind of building, not from scratch, but I'm guess this is in collaboration with other clouds, right? You want to have a standard, that way you can have a method to start comparing your cost from cloud to cloud, right? Yeah. So to me, this was pretty cool. We already have some analytics going on uh, with, with billing data internally and with, with customers, but this this concept will allow like, expansion going forward to combine this data with you know with other with 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 azure with aws as you can see it's an open standard that they're striving for here right they want something that you know when you're talking you know virtual machine uh cost and usage that that makes sense on you know whatever whatever system you're looking at it's not proprietary to because money's not proprietary, right? You want to you want to make everything like for like in all cases when you're dealing with, you know, financials. You know, yeah. it makes everything better because you can compare, first of all, usage, and then second of all, the cost between services on different platforms. So 
it's pretty cool that Google's taking this step. I mean, to me, like this and the the egress um, changes are to me signs of confidence that you know, like, hey, or, or that they want to increase their footprint too. Like, hey, we we know we can hang with the other two in the yeah. industry, the other two big boys out there. We're gonna take the steps to you know to make the entire industry better. You know, mm-hmm. we'll we'll lead the way in that chart. So. I think just something like this for for the data side is something that's really cool. And if you if you go through the article, you can sign up and gain access to the to the code that they provided. So we'll put this on the website. Uh, if you want to try this for for your company, sign up, download the code. It's really simple. It's it's a uh, it's a little hundred lines of code of a view, but it it's all super organized. Um, if you've played with the billing data in BigQuery, you know it's all you know, packed and nested, this unnests everything, puts it into a readable format, ready for consumption in any BI tool that can read BigQuery. So if you're Tableau guy, you know, Power BI guy, Looker Studio, Looker proper, all of those, uh, all of those BI tools can, can read the data here and you can start building uh, on top of your existing uh, billing analysis. Or if you don't have any, you know, this can help you get started for sure in a really easy to understand format. So yeah, yeah, long story short of this is they're they're taking all that complicated billing data, that huge table that gets dumped to your system every day, and making it accessible. Yeah, this this just um, just backs up the fact that they're trying to create standards and do something open, right? Um, yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, open source is good. Open standards are good. You know, all of the uh, the technologies that we use or that I use in the data stack are just open source like apache airflow everybody knows that that's yeah that is what composer is so yeah um, i i really like that you know one it makes it where you can your skills transfer so if you're an employee you know that just because you're working in gcp today doesn't mean you can't transfer to a different shop that's using just you know normal apache not branded composer or anything not fully managed yeah but yeah you'll be able to to survive if you make a move that's awesome. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. It's cool that they give that uh, um, you sign up because I I signed up to this also, and they just like email you and go here here here's the yeah. code, check it out. I'm like all right, cool. Here's a big lot of code. You like and, I wonder if there's like a hundred people that are answering this or you know <laughs> and sending out emails, or maybe they got it. Maybe they're using work or uh, um, app app integrations to take the email they do some ai oh, yeah. against it and they send it off to you they approve you and send it off yeah it's pretty Let's cool something like that all right what else we got what else do you want to talk some looker uh sure let's do it i don't think i, I don't think i brought up the link for looker but <clears throat> i guess uh last week they had a big uh a big meeting uh they stood out to all the looker um users all the any interested people that wanted to see what's going on with the future of liquor for the roadmap going ahead and they've done some cool things uh so for the for a lot of people it's very frustrating that liquor studio is separate than liquor i don't know if you ever dealt with those type of questions when they come across your plate they're two different things even here i'll share i got the link to it i'll share it up here all right the webinar and a link to so the, the webinar is public. You can you can go watch it. It was a pretty cool webinar, but essentially they're trying to combine the powers of the two tools. Uh, so Looker Studio 
has a lot of connectors. You can connect to tons of data, even raw CSV files. You can connect to Looker Studio. Looker always required the data warehouse on top to be sitting on top of. So that was always huge for Looker users. Like, hey, well, I want to do something really quick. Like, what's the deal here? Well, one of the big changes they made was they want to allow that Looker Studio connector library to be used in Looker. So to me, that was a gigantic uh, improvement to Looker and its usability going forward. And they're also building some, I don't want to say backward compatibility, but just some jump points. BigQuery, I don't know if you've ever read queries in BigQuery, you got your data set, right? There's a button where you can just launch Looker Studio and it'll visualize whatever data you're looking at, or at least help you. Uh, same concept in Looker. Now that you've got your data sitting in Looker, there's a button, or there will be a button, that allows you to launch Looker Studio. So you can take advantage of the chart libraries they have there. They're a little bit different from the Looker charting libraries. So I, I do think long-term, they're gonna try to either combine the tools or have Looker just focus on the, the semantic modeling part because that's that's where Looker shines. To me, yeah. I, I love just like data engineering, some object tables, and then telling Looker, hey, here are these objects. Make them talk to each other. Yeah. With a couple of uh, you know LookML files, you can have all of those connected, and then you can jump from any point, any object to another object as long as they're joined properly. But yeah, I, I think cool. the yeah the roadmap looks pretty interesting. So y'all take a look at that video. I don't know if there's a the powerpoints in the. Yeah, I don't know if they added those. Um, I'm not logged in here, but oh, okay. you can register, and I think then they just give you the video. But I'll uh, – oh, wait. I do have one where I'm logged in. Uh, they have Q&A, archived questions and answers, uh, but I don't Q see Q&A was very big. Uh, so yeah. if you, you listeners have any questions about it, send them to us. We'll read them on the next podcast and uh, – yeah. Try to answer them as best as we can. I'll say one thing I thought was really cool is he was talking about some of their sort of the future or maybe towards the end of the year, they're going to be um, integrating, you know, Duet into it. And he was showing some stuff where yes. they're, they're using like, uh, you know, Gen AI to basically talk and ask some questions about things and generate you know, insights and, and other stuff. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think it could work really well with Looker due to how it's it's architected. The, the structure of the LookML, the way you combine everything makes it kind of easy, or not easy, but like I can see how that would make sense to, to implement there. I know other BI tools have tried it. Like I know uh, Tableau had like some Einstein asked feature um, which they're, they're still working on and making better too. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it's really cool to see AI stuff come into the, uh, to the BI world, especially on the front end. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Um, all right. We're you got good. some Let's LLM move. stuff. Uh, yeah. I want to move on to a little bit of, uh, AI news. Right. Um, I've got, so I, I'm a, uh, well, let's just say this. I think I watch more YouTube than I do regular television uh, in my spare time. And so the stuff that comes up on my feed tends to be AI stuff, cloud stuff, and, you know, any of my other interests. So um, 
I watched this video, uh, and I, you know, I sent this to you what, like a month ago or something, and I was like, "You got to watch this." Um, this guy, uh, what is his name, by the way? Uh, Andre. Andre, yeah, um, Car Carpathy. He he does this great presentation on like large language models and what they are. Um, he goes deep into them. I'm not going to, I mean, this is about an hour long and I just highly recommend watching it. Um, some of the key takeaways I had was like, um, he talks about, um, you know, like what does a large language model, uh, what do the files look like in a large language model? What does that consist of? Right. Um, the big meat and the stuff that they, you know, the meat of it all and the stuff that they, uh, they train, um, and the the output of the training is these parameters files, and those can be huge. The actual thing that runs it, he's like, it could be around 500 lines of C <laughs> that actually runs the 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 yeah. you know the query against the parameters and what have you. Um, he goes into like you know a lot of people say it's like cliche, like we don't know what's going on inside of these large language models. Well, that's true. Um, he explains why we don't know why what's go know what's going on in there and how it's like working kind of. Um, well, I, I think you showed me a, a really cool, uh, I guess a comic strip a couple a while back about like the guy standing on the stack of data. <laughs> he just says like, if you don't like the output, just stare it and see what it tells you next time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of what's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that was an XKCD thing. Um, yeah, like this is what's happening inside of <laughs> inside of our large language model. If you don't like the output, just keep stirring it up until you get good results. And that's kind of what like uh pre uh pre-training and fine-tuning and all that stuff is. Pre-training is like loading it with all the data in the world, right? Or all the data that they want to load in. And then the the fine-tuning is like, okay, now let's go take it and and you know, um iterate on it. Uh send things into it see what the output is uh tell it to do it a different way like i've never done any pre-training or what have you um i it, it might be one of those weekend projects where i you know get the itch to like dig in and like take a base model and then pre-train it you know do some training on it and play around with it but he does a great like uh you know he talks about a lot of cool stuff in there so i just wanted to bring that up because i thought it was awesome um Again, it's an hour long. I've got a ton of notes on it, but, um, you know, we're kind of running close on time here. So yeah. for the sake of that, I would just say it's highly recommended. He goes into training, pre-training. He talks about the reversal curse as an example. Who is Tom Cruise's mother? And the thing will answer, Mary Lee Pfeiffer. And then you say, who is Mary Lee Pfeiffer's son? And it's like, I don't know. Right. And that's that's a very interesting thing, because really, it's just reading the Internet. There's probably not a lot of articles out there on Mary Lee Pfeiffer and who her son is. Right. Like, so it's interesting. Yeah, how these things. Is. Yeah, it's interesting how these things work. Did you um, know she had a son? Yeah, it's Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're um, better he, than an LLM. he also talks about the uh LL, llm scaling laws i think that's uh i'll just i got some right here to show that like how they're going to be scaling these is like basically throwing compute at it throwing yeah. more information at it 
and like what they're seeing is this thing is like scaling um it's very interesting how it scales that it's basically just like more text more more parameters in it more compute and by the way like this thing like for example llama 2 took 6000 so they let's let me start this over llama 2 um took ingested 10 terabytes of text from the internet it took 6000 gpus in 12 days at the at a cost of around 2 million dollars to produce a 140 gig parameters file and that's the base model and the, and what he explained is that companies are going to basically do this yearly and it's going to be the big companies that have a ton of money or large investment that can do this and then you know the ones that are open source people will take those and they'll do little trainings on it so you might have a trading that says hey give me everything back in anime style or something for like a you know um and you know something that generates images or what have you or or what ha or whatever right and then you're gonna have like the big dogs out there like with gemini they're they're gonna be training on top of that so Real interesting stuff. Again, um, highly recommend you, everyone should check that one out. I liked the video. It was good. This guy explained it, was, it well. It good. But it's one of those things where, like, does, does the mechanic need to know how the, you know, the metal from the from the engine is created? Is, is <laughs> how the alloy is, is yeah. formed in a forge. <laughs> so it's great if you want to know that stuff. But, like, one cool thing, and this will lead me into the the uh, the rag part of this conversation, is like you want to start abstracting away. Like everybody knows how to go to Chat GPT and ask it a question or ask it to draw something for you, right? Yeah. The whole um, the whole concept of like making applications is the next step, right? And and rags are a huge part of that. Um, and for those of you that don't know, here I'll just throw this little article here up on the screen. Essentially, what this means is, is is you're trying to ground the language model. And, and Justin mentioned, like, you want your model to, to work for you, right? Well, you could yeah. train it, right? You could try to change all the the weights and biases and parameters. That's expensive. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to take forever. Or you could start playing with some technologies like LangChain. I know you, you've been dabbling in LangChain, Justin. That yep enable you to to ground your model into a set of data that is applicable to whatever you're working on. So RAG, what it means is we're gonna go search whatever data set you have um, that, you're, that you wanna point to and add that to the language model's knowledge, knowledge set. So it's kind of like, you don't have to fully retrain a model. You can, you can uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, chain the process of going from the base LLM into this RAG process of asking it about a subset of data. And then, you know, that validates whatever the result is from the first step, just building on top with, with a tool like LangChain to get to a really meaningful result that is kind of cost effective. You're not going to have to rebuild, you know, the metal that, that holds up your car. You're going to be able to say, okay, this car needs to do this. Let's add on like, I don't know, cars. Nitro. <laughs> well, Fuel, it, it might be add on the it's the inline next to the know, rotary girder. A spoiler. Put the spoiler <laughs> on the back. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, rags are a piece of, of lane chain uh, that could really help uh, 
you know, with the, with the, with the uh, generative applications that people are trying to build now, like we're, we're past the point of just asking ChatGPT questions. We want the application to do something. So I know we've had some clients that have been poking around this area. And I know you, you mentioned how we kind of stumbled upon this a while back, but like this is now part of the process. When you're building AI and generative apps, this is what you have to do. You have to chain pieces together from not only the base language models, but like what's going on on the internet right now, what's in, in your knowledge base that you want to be included in the in the results. Um, it's, it's all It's all kind of like, making the, the abstraction jump to the next step yeah like your video is cool but like that's only if you're really super nerdy and want to know about like neural networks and how oh, they work and that's me <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> well you know what i you hear these terms i'll just say this he the video's cool he doesn't go crazy deep like he's not getting into like, long. The, he doesn't go, <laughs> it's an hour long but you know sometimes you just got to have something on while you're cooking dinner or something right like he he Fair doesn't enough. get crazy into like the math of it which i'd be lost there right what what he did for me and and this is why i think it's it's an interesting thing is you hear all these terms right of how they how they build these things. Yeah, I'm a consumer of it, but I hear all these things and being a technical person, I go, well, what does that mean when they say that? Right? Well, and instead of going cool. and like building something <laughs> from scratch, like I want to know what they mean when they say that. So it's a very it's an interesting thing and um yeah, if you're super nerdy like me, um, throw it on and your mind will be blown. You'll be taken <laughs> away to a world of numbers and ideas and how stuff works. You know, this is like me watching, uh, what's that show they, they have on history or something. The, it's like modern marvels or like, uh, or, um, how things are made or whatever. And it's just like showing you how copper wires made. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I, I See, that's remember what watching, this is. uh, Sesame Street, where they show how the saxophone was made, and they're melting the, the oh, brass. Yeah. And, and shaping it and all that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what do you that got here? Awesome. Yeah, so I just wanted to show you what this option looks like in Vertex. So a question for you, maybe our readers or listeners can let us know, like, the text bison model can be can be grounded. You can point this at a, at a, at a data set to do this, essentially, similar concept to the RAG is, if you point this to uh, an additional data set, once you have that in here, it'll it'll produce the result with that grounding source. That way you can pr build your prompt where it gets a result from the language model, but then it also looks at your grounding. It doesn't work with uh, Gemini right now. And I don't know if that's because this is a multimodal thing or, or what, or if it's just it's in preview and it's not ready yet. I don't know, but I thought that was interesting that it wasn't enabled for um, for Gemini. Okay, but well, yeah, you guys you let know, us know when things are all like whenever things are in preview or released. My expectation is uh, not ready for production, but play around with it so that when it does hit that, you know, you're ready to go. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, I accept that answer. Send in a super chat if you have an answer. Answer accepted. <laughs> All right, and, and the last thing I have for today, since we're really short on time, is something really cool that I spent a lot of time uh, researching. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of 
across T basically I guess you wouldn't unless you you dev on a Chromebook I've tried to switch myself into the Google Chromebook life just jump in 100% I don't have my Windows machine anymore I don't have I don't have a Mac I'm trying to make things work with my Chromebook and my Chromebook's good but the solutions out there were were not really cutting it for me uh, just virtual machines remote desktop tools uh, what else did I try? I tried using the cloud console, you know, to, to be my dev environment, but it wasn't wasn't getting the job done. This uh, this tool here is essentially just a uh, it's a Docker, right, Justin? Uh, I think so. Um, let me see. I'm I don't I think use it a, Chromebook, a Docker. So. Well, is it a Docker? Uh, I, I it, oh yeah, so. yeah. It's using so it's using a container. So yeah, it's yeah, probably using that Docker. container. And, and it will hold your application, your VS Code. Essentially, where I'm going with this is I can use VS Code on my Chromebook now thanks to Cross TD or C Linux on Chrome OS, whichever you prefer. But this has made my life so much more convenient. I don't have to worry about lugging two computers around anymore, one for dev, one for you know console stuff. I can do everything on my Chromebook now. <laughs> it was kind of a personal challenge. Like, do I want, do I want to live 100% of the Chromebook? Yes, I do. Just to see if I can do it, but yeah, cross teeny, uh, cross teeny, yeah, it's cross teeny. Take a look at it. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, it works pretty well on my machine. It's not super powered, so I'm happy with the performance. Uh, it it works perfectly fine with uh, G Cloud CLI commands, so you can you know have your authentication happen in VS Code like normal. I haven't tried to do it yet, um, but. Nice. Once I get to it, uh, once I get to it on the next couple of weeks, I'll, I'll let you know. We'll be on the next show. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do know we tried some VMs or um, some virtualization solutions. And one of the big things was just, just like um, the cost of being able to just install that locally for you to do the things you need to do in VS Code. Yeah, yeah. Versus yeah, firing some of the other up tools. a VM up in the cloud no, that we got to pay for monthly especially yeah it, it's it it worked out good some some the of the tools were, were great like if you're scaling a company right yeah like but that's not what i was doing i just want to do dev work i want to have something where i can compile some code quickly yeah like yeah i think those tools are just more advanced for what i was doing so yeah okay so that's cool man talk about use cases for those next time we can do that but cross teeny it's this week's prim, Oh, I forgot to put the banner for it. Deep dive, oh. Crustini. I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't much of a deep dive, but Sin, that's okay. first ep episode, I messed up. But you know sorry, what? Uh, for my demo, for my demo, I'll put it up. So All right. just, you know, it's it, this is weird, but like for mine, it'll be up and it'll be awesome. Um, yeah, I wanted to show quickly uh, Duet AI in VS Code. Um, you know, uh, these tools start coming out and, and especially with AI assistance and what have you, it's like, you know, I've been Devin since back in the day, like notepad plus. Yeah. We plus. saw your computer. Yeah. You saw my <laughs> computer. The beginning. It was, you know, old school, whatever. Right. You know, in VS code, being able to pull duet AI in there and have it help you out is pretty awesome. So one thing I'm going to quickly do is just show you how to install it. I'm going to show uh, some 
you know, little rudimentary things. And then like I like to do with anyone, whether I'm mentoring or talking to anyone else, is I like to plant the seed. And then you can take that, water it, and it will grow into a beautiful tree of Duet AI. Gardening with Justin. All right. Well, here we go. So, Farming with Justin. Let's do it. And uh, we're going to uh, talk about Duet AI in VS Code. So uh, first thing you got to do, I have it installed already, but like any extension, it's an extension. And it, this uses the uh, Google Cloud Code extension, um, which is Duet AI and then Tools for Google Cloud. The tools for Google Cloud, and I'll probably show this maybe in another episode, um, are really cool in and of themselves. You can like kick off some processes. You can connect to your uh, your project in GCP. Right now, I'm connected to. You can't see it at the bottom here. Let me remove this. Um, right now, I'm connected to um, a test project that I have for when we, um, you know, proof of concept AI stuff out. Um, and so once you get it installed, it's real easy. The only thing you have to do is make sure that you go into, and I'm on a Mac, so it's Command-Shift-P. Um, and on Windows, I believe it's Control-Shift-P. Control um, you're going to write in Cloud. Uh, in Chromebook, I think you have to <laughs> recompile your container. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, you're in VS Code, so uh, you would follow probably Linux. So Linux uses Control, so it'd be Control Shift P. Right. You. Um, yeah. Uh, what one thing you need to do is you need to go to settings. Actually, I went to the wrong spot. You need to go to settings, and you can't see my uh, my menu because the way I'm sharing this. So I apologize. My right click menu. However, um, you go to settings and type in Duet. And you just need to make sure that you have it enabled. I believe when you first install the um, Google Cloud Code uh, extension, it pops up a thing and goes, hey, you want to use Duet AI? And you go, yeah, sure. Um, one, one caveat here is it needs to be enabled in um, the, the Duet AI API, I believe, needs to be enabled for the project that you're connecting to in Google, uh, in Google Cloud. So as long as that's all in place, you enable this, you click on this and it reloads, uh, just like when you install other extensions, it always reloads the interface. And now you get uh, Duet AI and it's kind of cool because you're getting like effectively a prompt here that you can talk to about your code. So, um, and you get this little, uh, this little, this little guy down here in this toolbar. So you can like turn autocomplete on, which, oh, I didn't have it turned on. Um, rookie move. A rookie move. Um, you can select what project it, that you're using that has Duet AI enabled. You can read through the documentation, blah, blah, blah. Um, I have the walkthrough up. Oh, wait, no, I don't. Here, here's the walkthrough. This will kind of like step by step walk you through all the things to set up. So I signed in. Um, I activated Duet. I turned on code generation. Well, I just turned on code generation. Um, and then it shows you that you can chat with Duet AI, which is this little pop out over here. So I have a React application loaded. And it's just, you know, um, create React app. 
it spits out some stuff. I put, you know, some little, uh, a little looping function in here. Well, the interesting thing is I actually created that loop function um, with this over here, this do it AI. So let's say I, I um, in the file that I'm in, right, I want to add in another function that, um, that calculates Fibonacci. And this is going to be, you know, my Italian site here where I screw up and don't spell Fibonacci correctly. <laughs> um, create me a new function. Um, called from use effect that cal calculates. Um, I'm just going to say fib, and I assume that Duet knows what I mean. Yeah, it give it a shot. <laughs> it calculates fib out to the um, tenth place. Let's see what it gives us. All right, so it knew Fib was Fibonacci. I'm happy about okay. that. Um, it, it's cool because it teaches you how to how the code works. It kind of explains it to you, which is nice. It also shows you where to put it in your use effect hook, right? So um, the cool thing is, is I can take this, I can place my cursor right here, and I can just go boop insert. Oh wow! You like that? And it's been this clippy. Yeah, that's kind of uh, that's kind of handy, and it already knows. Look, like I hit enter right here. It's already already like, hey, you want to go create an instance of this now, right? Well, I can probably do that right in here. Oh, look, it'll even console log it out. Boom, and we can use it from right in here, right? So that's like really cool. So again, planting the seed. I'm not going to show you everything that it does. One one more little thing is I'm going to put a an error in here, and we'll see what uh. We'll see what Duet AI can do about it. I'm going to, um, let's see. I'm going to change this to Data's. Now, obviously, I can see this and go, oh, look, Data's doesn't exist. But let's say there's something even more complex. It's very interesting how this happens. So you change a variable name somewhere else. And you don't see yeah, that. and you don't see that or what have you, and it's down in a big, long file you have or something. Well, my array is called data, right? And I called it data's when I spit it out over here. And now I want to go, um, why am I getting an error here? All right? I'm going to hit enter. Look at that. You're getting an error because you're trying to access the data's variable, but it's not defined. You need to define the data's variable before you can use it. So at least it's like pointing me like, oh, okay, that's the obvious thing. But then let me do it as like a whole and go. <laughs> uh, this is, I'm going off the rails here. Am I doing something wrong here? <laughs> uh... explain this let's see if it'll explain it to me uh it's just telling me what i did i earlier when i did it i guess i wrote it wrong you're it, such uh, a good coder you cannot program I, errors i'm too good of a coder i can't program <laughs> errors i can't even get errors when i ask it to give me errors um it told me hey this says data's and it should be called data and i might have asked it a different way so you can play around with it obviously this is very early um, they're going to be expanding upon this. Um, 
I'm not sure what it's using under the hood. Is it using Gemini yet? Is it using Vertex? Um, uh, I don't know where Cody's point. I think Cody can be configured anywhere, okay. so I don't know where, where the default is. Okay. Um, so, yeah, real interesting stuff. I did something over here, and you can, it works with CSS. Like, I can say, uh, let me do one other thing. Let's let's do let's redeem myself. That's nice. um, uh, create a CSS class. Um, what should the class do that makes a square? Uh, I can't spell square uh, rectangle. Um, a, a red a square red rectangle. On a box, on a box, not a fox. Let's see what it gives me. Square red rectangle. It makes a width and a height. Cool. Background color red. Nice. So now, actually, I was just about to copy this, right? You could click here and copy, but also I've got the cursor, so why not just inject it right in, right? So real interesting stuff. It's also doing all the things like you saw earlier. I hit something to a new line. It's going to go, hey, do this. Um, it's trying to create an event listener, a handler for the button that I have down here, right? Um, if I new line here, it's just creating other click me buttons. So sometimes it's it's a little weird and, uh, you know, you just got to play around with it. One of the things I tend to do a lot when I'm doing something like this is I'll write a comment in, like, in the JavaScript part. I'll just say, like... Um, Write code, uh, write um, me a function that splits a string um, at a specific index. Now, I think it should give me something here. If it doesn't, I might just have that wrong. But I could also go over here and just go like this. So I, they're still working on this stuff, but I think you sh everyone should install this. It might be a it. setting too. It's awesome. Yeah, it might be a setting. I just kind of like, uh, you know, clued this together a little bit ago um, using a, uh, a new profile I created. So I might be missing yeah. something, but uh, there we go. There's something that uh, will take a can probably do split it. To me, the more important part is can it do documentations? On the, on the function uh, <laughs> there are so let's see if i just keep hitting enter does it do it i don't know i don't know if it's there yet but this is cool stuff this is the future yeah. you want some something that rides along with you and kind of helps you out while you're while you're coding yeah. and it, it this is not going nice. to take your job it's going to help you be a oh, yeah. faster better coder yeah, I mean, I guess when they went from punch cards to typing it in with a keyboard on a, uh, and you were looking at the output on the monitor, people weren't freaking out. This is just yet another tool around that. So, yeah, there we Good go. Stuff, and man. that's all I, I like have. It. Um, with that said, let me go ahead and stop sharing. And with that said, you know, hey, that was our first uh, podcast, Aaron. How you feeling? How you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling good. Feeling uh, we covered a lot of ground. Um, we did. And if we messed up, got anything wrong, feel free <laughs> to leave a comment. Uh, we'll work harder to 
to understand things better. But, you know, I, I think the the main thing is there's a lot of stuff and we're going to be here part, part of the the ecosystem. If you, if you want to talk about this stuff, if you want to learn more or, you know, Primevo is the type of company that, you know, we, we value that um, yep. conversation, right? We, we're not here just writing code and, and pumping out product. We, we're, we're interested in the stuff and want to, you know, take it in as everyone else is, is running across it as well. Yeah. And, you know, it, we have to thank Promevo, our sponsor. Go visit us at yeah. promevo.com uh, if you want to learn more about what we do. We're a premier partner. Um, you know, we support solutions across everything in Google ecosystem, GCP, Workspace, Chrome OS, um, and basically everything in between. So, um, you know, again, if you want to submit a, a question, please go here, click the link, send us a question you know hey justin what's that weird thing in the background <laughs> hey justin you're in the star trek awesome so am i you know whatever it's cool anything um hey aaron who is the pacific division champion for 2022 2023 i don't know well alaska bard you have to ask the question you have to you have to you have to ask the question first and then aaron will answer it um, so yeah, so keep an eye out, uh, you know, on our net for our next video, uh, the standard, uh, like, and subscribe, right. Hit the subscribe button. If you want, No, we should more. say, we should say subscribe and like, yeah, to be different. Um, subscribe and like, cause that flows <laughs> subscribe and like. Uh, but we have other cloud resources that we're pumping out there. Um, and, you know, go check out our blog up, up at Promevo. We're, we're usually putting out articles there and talking about tech and different things. So yep. with that said, I'm good. You got anything yep. else, Aaron? No. Uh, thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Catch you all later.